Amen. Hello, Rimrock Downtown. Boy, I wish we were here to worship in person to just uh, enjoy this amazing uh, time of worship of music. I know you're in your home or with your family. Maybe you're eating dinner or doing something, but uh, just know that the presence of God is is so real and so available and uh, so thankful for our worship team downtown here and so thankful for you and uh, just pray that as you're worshiping, you're remembering that uh, one day we're going to be all together again. <laughs> we're going to actually be together and you know, it's interesting, I was thinking as this uh, worship team was just playing that all of human history is leading up to this great worship session where we're going to be in the, in the physical presence of Jesus and he's going to be on the throne and every nation, tongue, and language is going to be before that throne praising God with everything that they have. And so I want to be there and I know many of you want to be there and that's what we're preparing for. We're preparing for that great worship time that we're going to have together and uh, hopefully sooner than later we'll be able to get a foretaste of that all together here, here on earth. So uh, we're going through a series, Evan Hayes has, uh, Pastor Evan has uh, prepared this series and looking at the Old Testament and I'm so excited about this because a lot of times people have this idea that the Old Testament is somehow different than the New Testament, that somehow God is different but the reality is if you really get into the Bible and you get into the scripture, you will find that God does not change. He's the unchanging God and he is the same God who revealed himself from Genesis to Revelation. And the story is a big story. It's the story of God. A lot of times we look into the Bible trying to figure things out about ourselves and it, I think the Bible shares a lot about, reveals a lot about who we are but it primarily reveals who God is and it reveals what He is doing, His purpose, His plan, His story. And the good news is He invites us into His story. And so as we look in the Old Testament, we're looking at where do we see Jesus in the Old Testament. So I'm really excited about tonight sharing with you out of the Exodus. Uh, the Exodus story is the most foundational story in the scripture as it really paves the way for understanding the very heart of God and what he is doing. What is God doing in human history? And so the Exodus gives us uh, a revelation and insight into what he is doing. So when I was a kid, I, I always wanted to play tennis. And uh, I couldn't play tennis because I lived in South America. And in South America, there's just not very many tennis courts. So um, I, I'm laughing because uh, Chris Braddy's here and Chris and I have uh, played a little tennis. But I, I really wanted to, but I didn't know how. And so um, when I got to college, I finally got access to a tennis court. And so I started messing around. And so I'd go out with friends or my brother and we'd go hit the ball around. And, uh, and that was a lot of fun. And I thought I was doing great. And then, uh, then when I lived in Minnesota, I got to know uh, a man who was a, a tennis coach. And uh, he was a professor at a local community college, and he had taught tennis. And so I, I said, hey, let's, let's go play tennis. So we started playing tennis. And uh, the first time we went out to hit the ball, he watched me hit a few times, and he just shook his head. <laughs> and I knew I was in trouble. So he came over and graciously began to show me, and he said, Ben, look at your grip. And 
I had learned a grip that wasn't right. And I was holding on. I was holding on to that racket, and I was hitting the ball with everything I got. But my grip was wrong. And he taught me how to grip a tennis racket. And I was thinking about that this week, and, and what I would like you to think about as we go through the Exodus story is, what, what is your grip on life? I mean, you're, you're gripping something. I'm gripping something, but, but are we gripping it correctly, rightly? What are we holding on to, and what are we willing to change? Are we willing to change? Uh, I think about what that man taught me, that coach. Over 10 years, we played tennis, and over that 10 years, I learned a lot, and I learned to change my grip. And so here's the other question. Who do we trust in that process? As we're gripping, who do we trust in that process of relearning, of relearning a new grip? So let's talk about the story of Exodus. And you can open your Bibles to Exodus 14, and I'm going to read a little bit here in a moment. But first, I just want to paint the story. Um, if you remember the people of Israel, descendants of Abraham, and last two weeks, Chris Parrish and Evan Hayes have been talking about Abraham, uh, the father of faith, right? Abraham teaches us and models for us what a relationship, a personal relationship with God looks like. And it's, and it's a relationship not based on Abraham's own righteousness, but it is a, a relationship of faith where Abraham learns to trust and walk and listen and follow God. And as, as uh, Chris Parrish shared a few weeks ago, learn to obey God. And so here we have Abraham's descendants in Egypt because uh, Abraham had, a, had a, uh, a son, Isaac, and then Jacob, and then Jacob had a son named Joseph. And if you know the story, Joseph ended up in Egypt, and God used Joseph to save uh, the descendants of Abraham. And so for 400 years, over 400 years, the people of Israel had lived in Egypt. But over the course of that time, they had gone from being favored by the Egyptians to becoming slaves. And so remember, Joseph had a favored position, but over the course of that 400 plus years, they became slaves. And we know uh, Egyptian history that the pharaohs were bent on building great pyramids and great palaces, and so the Hebrew slaves really became his workhorses to accomplish those uh, projects. And so the Jewish people were enslaved, and they were crying out to God to save them. And so God raised up a servant named Moses. And you know the story where Moses uh, was, uh, uh, became a prince in the house of Pharaoh, and Moses... Uh, began to realize his people were enslaved and oppressed and he began to fight for them and ended up in the desert and came back because God had called Moses and he said, through you, Moses, I'm going to free my, your people. And so God is preparing to free the Israelites through Moses. And Moses comes before Pharaoh and 10 times he asked Pharaoh, let God's people, let my people go, and we were going to go out and worship. And if you go back and you read the story, it's very, very clear that the goal was to go worship. He said, let my people go so that they can worship their God. And so, ten times, ten times God gave Pharaoh the opportunity to repent, to let his people go. And realize that Pharaoh had his grip, right? He had his grip on the Israelites. And God, I think, was after Pharaoh's heart. But it says Pharaoh hardened his heart. He hardened his heart ten times. And so God sent ten plagues. 
And each of those ten plagues told a story about a god that the Egyptians were worshiping. Ten times God revealed his power, his glory over the gods of Egypt. And yet Pharaoh would not let go. But then there was a final plague. And in this final tenth plague, God said, prepare people because I'm going to do something that is going to teach and reveal my glory and my power. And so God told the Israelites that they were to take a lamb, a lamb without any blemish, a perfect lamb. And they were to take that lamb and they were to kill it and they were to keep the meat and they were to uh, roast the meat over a fire and they were to take the blood of that lamb and put it on the doorpost. And so they were to put it on the top doorpost and the side doorpost and then they were to eat over a fire and they were to eat quickly and haste because God said, I'm going to do something and I'm going to set you free. We're going to be leaving this place and going to the land I promised to, your, to, your, to Abraham, your father. And so in that night, God sent a, a terrible, devastating plague where the firstborn of all the Egyptians was killed. And if you go back to Exodus 12, 12, it's very clear. It says God's judgment was on the gods of Egypt. God was revealing his glory, his power over the gods of Egypt. And so this is a worship issue. And so it's through the blood of the Lamb and it's through the, the faith of the Israelites as they trust God and as they wait on that night that God does a miracle and he softens Pharaoh's heart. And Pharaoh says, okay, you can go. Go worship. Leave this place. And so not only did they go, but the Egyptians poured out their gold and their coins and their treasures. They gave them to the Israelites and said, get out of here. <laughs> we don't want you anymore. Go to your place. Go worship your God. But the story that I want to focus on tonight is in Exodus 14. So if you have your Bibles on your phone, it will also be on the screen, or even better, get your physical Bible, open it up um, with your family there, and look at this passage. And just, just to let you know, in a little bit after the end of this uh, message, we're going to be taking communion together. And so if you have some bread, uh, some juice, we're going to be remembering uh, how Jesus remembered this event in Exodus. So Exodus 14, verse 10, the Israelites have left, but then Pharaoh changes his mind, and he's going after the Israelites. And so this is where we pick up on the story. Verse 10, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them, and they were terrified, and they cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? <laughs> they were just praying before, free us from Egypt. Now they want to go back. What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. And Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord. He will bring it to you today. The Egyptians you see today, will never, you will never see them again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. 
And then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites, Move on, raise your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea, dividing the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so they will go in after them, and they will gain, and then I will gain glory through Pharaoh and his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. And that's where we're going to stop. So here's the picture, right? The Israelites have just been freed from Egypt. They've seen God do 10 amazing miracles showing his glory, his power over the Egyptians' gods. But they're in a tight spot. <laughs> have you ever been in a tight spot, a difficult place? I have. I think we all have. The Israelites experience what we all experience. Because they looked one way and they saw an army. They looked the other way and they saw an ocean. And there was nowhere to go. And they started to look at their circumstance. And they forgot who God was. And that he was with them. Because if you go a few verses earlier, we're told that the God who set them free from Egypt was, was revealed in a cloud of fire a giant cloud of fire. And so they had a, a physical, tangible reminder that God was with them. <laughs> he hadn't left them. But what is their response? What is their response? What is our response when we're in a desert, when we're in a storm, when we're in a, a real circumstance, real danger, real hardship? What do, what do we grip? What do we trust? What do we worship in that moment? And so here we have this moment. And there's three things going on. They're in a difficult situation. Today we're in a difficult situation as a country, as a world. We got, we got a virus on one side and we got economic collapse on the other side. Maybe personally you've lost a job. Maybe you're struggling financially. Maybe you got a sickness on top of it. Maybe you also have a broken relationship. Maybe you have an internal battle where there's anxiety or depression. Maybe there's something that you can't tell anyone else, but you're struggling with it. And so you have your circumstance, and it's real. It's real. We all face true, terrible enemies, just like the Israelites did. But the issue here is, who will we trust? Who will we worship? And that is the call, I think, when we're in these circumstances, is what will we look at? I think of this story in light of what Jesus did with his disciples because he took them on a boat and they were in this terrible storm and these, these guys are fishermen and they, they, they should be able to handle this, but they're scared because they think they're going to die and they're, they're looking at the wind and the waves and they say, Jesus, don't you care that we die? Just, just like the Israelites don't you care, God, that we're going to die? And so as Jesus is there in the boat, and he says, where's your faith? Because <laughs> Jesus was in the boat with them the whole time. Just like he was with the Israelites the whole time. And, and here's the thing. He's with us today. He's with you. He's with me. He's with us. He's present. And he's powerful. And so when we look at our circumstance, when we look at the army and we look at the waves, we look at the sickness, when we look at whatever it is, we look at our circumstance, 
we begin to try to grip and grasp, grasp whatever we can. We look at what we know. The, the Israelites, what did they know? They only knew Egypt. <laughs> That's all they had known for 420 years. All they had known was Egypt. It's what they knew. And so, isn't it so true that when we're going through a, a hardship, a difficulty, we just kind of grab on to what we know? But that's so dangerous because what we know could be our slavery. It could be our darkness, and it could be the very thing that is destroying us. And so God invites us to a new thing, a new place. <laughs> and so when you think about Egypt, it represents something. It represents slavery. It represents evil and pain. It represents darkness and death. And we think about Egypt and we think about the Passover and the Exodus. And so the people have left Egypt. But what Exodus 14 is revealing is that Egypt had, had sunk into the hearts of the people. And so I've heard a, I can't, I can't remember who said it, but I heard a preacher say it's, it was easier to get the people out of Egypt, but it was much harder to get Egypt out of the people. Isn't that true in our hearts? As we grasp for what we know, that sin, that addiction, that thing that we just run to for comfort because it's what we know. But look at Egypt also represents man's power, his strength. It's what's predictable. But here is what God is doing. He wants to free us from Egypt. He wants to free you from the false gods that have gripped on your life. He wants to set you free from that. He wants to set me free from that. He wants to set this world free from that. The Exodus is a beautiful story of God's redemption, his salvation. He is making a way because it's not up to us. It's not up to you. It's not up to the Israelites. They know they can't get out of this situation on their own. And that's why Moses says to the people, look, God is going to deliver you. He got the people's eyes off of themselves onto God. I was thinking this week about what the Danish uh, uh, theologian Kierkegaard said. He said, the proud person always wants to do the right thing, the great thing, but he wants to do it in his own strength. That's Egypt. He is fighting not with, not with man, but with God. And so that's the question for the Israelites, and it's the question for us. Who are we fighting against? Are you resisting God? Because the Israelites at this moment, they were resisting God's plan. He was setting them free. He was taking them out of Egypt. He was taking them to a good place, the promised land. But they were holding on to that sin, that thing, that idol. And here is God's grace. He's bringing about humility. He's bringing about grace. And that's what God is doing in our lives. He's helping us see that he is for us and not against us. That he is here to save us, not to destroy us. I love what it says in the gospel that Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save the world. And so where is God? He's right there. He's with the Israelites. He's with the disciples in the boat, in the storm. Jesus is there and he's with you. And he's with me. How do we know this? How do we know that God is with us? Because Jesus came into this world to reveal God's presence. We can worship God because God has come near. He has come near. He is not far off. He's always present. 
The one who wonders is me. <laughs> the one who wonders is you. We are the ones who forget. We are like the Israelites who get our eyes off of God and we start looking at our circumstance, but God is there. Jesus is present. In the Gospel of John, there are seven signs, seven miracles, just like there were seven miracles in, in Exodus as the people of Israel are being freed from the Egyptians. There are seven signs that the Gospel of John outlines. And there's seven statements where Jesus declares, he says, I am the bread of life. <laughs> if, if you want provision, if you want life, come to me. And Jesus says, I am the light of the world. If you want understanding, if you want to see truth, come to Jesus. Jesus says, I am the door of the sheep. He is our protector. He is the one who will guard against evil in our lives. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Are you afraid of death? Jesus said, don't be afraid of death. I am the resurrection and the life. I have come that you may live. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. He's watching over us. He's providing for us, caring for us, leading us, guiding us into his ways. He says, I am the truth and the, and the life and the way. He is the source of all that is good. And lastly, Jesus says, I am the true vine. He is the one who can truly satisfy our hearts. He's the one that can truly give you everything that you need, everything you want, everything you're longing for is found in him. <laughs> That's why he came, to show us the way to the Father. And so tonight, as you're thinking about this story in Exodus, as you're thinking about the Red Sea and the army coming, you're thinking about your circumstance, whatever it is, here's what I want us to look at. Romans chapter 12 because the whole Exodus story is about worship. Remember, the people of Israel needed to be freed so that they could worship God. They could no longer be enslaved by the Egyptian gods, but they could be find freedom in God's presence. And look at what it says in Romans 12, because this is why I think Jesus came to the cross. Jesus came to the cross to set us free so that we can worship God. Because in God, we can find true glory and true power. This is what Romans 12, 1 and 2 says. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. And so think about it. What has God done? What has God done in your life? He has forgiven your sins. He has set you free from the slavery of sin. He has given you the Holy Spirit living in you. He's given you the promise of the resurrection. <laughs> Death has lost its sting. He has given you breath today, life today. And beyond that, what are all the good gifts that he's given you? Do you have family? Do you have friends? Do you have food for today? All of this points to God's mercy. And so when we get our eyes off the circumstances <laughs> and we get our eyes on God, it changes everything. We see God's glory, his power. And therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. It's about the grip. God is changing our grip. <laughs> and so we are no longer holding on to those false gods, those false things, those things that we thought would bring life, but don't. Rather, it says, do not be conformed to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will 
is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. God has a good plan for you. He's got a great plan for this world. But will we trust him? Will we worship him? Or are we worshiping other things? I think we are in an amazing time in human history right now. In our lifetime, God is stripping away false gods. He's using all kinds of things. And I think he's even using this virus to reveal things to us that we've been holding on to. That we need to see that God alone is worthy of our worship. He alone is worthy of our bodies. He's alone worthy of our calendars, of our money, of everything we have. That's why we can offer ourselves to him. And he's good. <laughs> he's worthy of that worship. And so we're being transformed from Egypt to God's glory and his power. This is what the Israelites experienced. And isn't it interesting as they come to the end of this and they see the waters divided and God makes a way through the Red Sea and they cross the other side and the Egyptians are destroyed. Listen what it says in the end of chapter 14. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord. It's the same thing that the disciples did in the boat. <laughs> it says when they saw that the wind and the waves were stilled, it says they were terrified <laughs> because they realized who Jesus was, that he had power over the wind and the waves. And it says they put their trust in him. Where's your trust? Where's my trust? Is our trust in the Lord? The one who delivered the Israelites out of slavery and bondage. The one who sent Jesus into this world to deliver us from our sin and from slavery and bondage. To call us children, sons and daughters, to be adopted into his family and to be given the very presence and power of the Holy Spirit. That same fire that was in the cloud is in us. Wow. So here's three things to think about. I think God is trying to get our attention in lots of different ways. He's always trying to get our attention because he loves us. He's the good shepherd. He's calling to you. He's calling to me. He's calling your name and he's inviting you to trust him, to know him, to know his goodness, to see that he has power to get you through the storm. He's getting our attention. Will you view his mercy? Will you get your eyes off your circumstance onto him? Secondly, will you offer yourself to God as a living sacrifice? Last couple of weeks, as um, Evan and Chris talked about Abraham, I, I think Isaac's an amazing part of that story because as he went with Abraham, fully knowing what was going on, he went willingly. He trusted his father. <laughs> he trusted. Will we trust God? Will we give ourselves to him? And then lastly... Will we not conform to Egypt anymore? <laughs> will we not conform to the patterns of this world anymore? But will we be transformed? Will we change our grip? Will we be willing to let go of the things that we've held on to? Will we be willing to go with God wherever he leads us? I think this is the question. And the, tonight as we celebrate communion, God's given us a great reminder of these things. It's our choice to respond to God, but in His grace, He's pursuing us. And as Christians, 
And by the way, I think Exodus 14 is a story for Christians. It's a story for people who, who know God because the deliverance had already happened. Your salvation has already been done for you in Jesus Christ. The question is, will we trust God to allow us to, to, to transform us to worship Him alone? And communion's that reminder for us. We do this regularly. We need to. We need that reminder that God has provided for us, that He's made a way. He's, he split the sea. He, he came on the cross and he, he paid the price. He's rescued us. He's delivered us. His grace is available to us. But will we receive it? And so tonight, uh, if you take the bread, it's a reminder that God's provision came through a body. It came through the body of Jesus, the Son of God. And it's His body that was broken for us. And so I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up and, and they're going to be preparing a song. And, and, and I want this to be worshipful because I want you to think about uh, your sin, uh, your pride, the ways that you fought against God. And I want you to think about the fact that Jesus paid the price. He was that perfect lamb, that blood that was spilled for your behalf and my behalf. We couldn't pay it, but he could. And so when Jesus and his disciples came to the table, and remember, they're remembering the Exodus story at this moment. They're remembering the Passover. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And this is what he says, For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. That's the promised land, <laughs> the kingdom where God is leading us. It's a good land. It's a good place. He's taken us there. And after taking the cup, he gave thanks. And he said, take this and divide it among you. I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread. So take your bread and remember the body of Jesus. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this and remember it to me. Take and eat. And you can take your cup, any kind of juice. And remember, Jesus is the true vine. It's only through him that we can have the life of God in us. And this is what he says. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Freedom. Freedom from slavery. Freedom to worship. Freedom to know God. Freedom to have peace. Freedom to walk in perfect peace. Be still, Moses said in Exodus 14. Be still and know that God is God. And he's got you. He's got me. This blood is poured out for you. Take and drink it. God, we praise you. We worship you, Lord. And I pray for each person, wherever they're at. Lord, you know their circumstances. You know the storms that they're going through, God. Right now, I pray they would see the pillar of fire, that you are close. Your Holy Spirit is there. You are able, Lord. Lord, let us put aside our sin, our pride, our selfishness, our greed, whatever we're holding on to, and let us let it go, Lord. Help, help each person listening to let go and to turn to you, to trust you, 
to worship you, to receive from you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for providing. Thank you that you are the Lamb of God. May you be praised.